Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue our series as we look at the book by W. Philip Keller, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Uh, we will look at chapters 8 and 9. Chapters 8 deals with your rod and your staff comfort me. And chapter 9 is you prepare a table before me. This is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. Because if it touches his hands, then the mom won't feed. But we don't think of the staff in that manner. We think of the staff as something that is a weapon. It's a very useful piece of, of, of equipment for the shepherd. He talks about the older shepherds that he remembers seeing as a young man. And they would just lean on their staffs to stand. To hold them up. And I've seen that in the military. Guys that, that have their walking sticks. When we would go out in the bush. And the older, the older sergeants would always have a stick. As they guide the platoon through the bush. And they would. During the longer part of the days. They would hang on to that staff. And it would provide support for them. It was not only for guiding the sheep. But it was used gently. For us is to remember that the. The Christian life we find gracious, uh, the Holy Spirit, the comforter that draws us, that directs us to Christ. In Revelation 22:17, it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears come, and let the one who's thirsty come, and let the one who desires to take water of, uh, of life without price. Whoever drinks the water I will give them, and they shall never thirst. In John 14:14. 14, 14. The water that I will give him uh, will become him a, a well of water springing up into eternal life. He's inviting us to have eternal life with us, uh, with him. And, and we're going to talk about that this weekend as we look at Jesus being the resurrection and the life. It's important for us to understand that, that our, our, our eternity is secure if we're his. If we've chosen to follow him. He keeps us on the right path. In John 16, 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He, uh, he will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you these things that are to come. We need that gentle touch of the rod. And it's a reminder just of, of the shepherd's tenderness and compassion and care. And... and and a way for us not to be afraid to draw near to him, right? I think sometimes we look at, uh, I can remember, you know, before Christ thinking God was just out to get me. 
And what I mean by that is like, man, when I would mess up, man, God's like, put them in the corner, you know? Because I had, that was the God I made up in my head. It wasn't the God of the Bible. It's not the God of love. It's not the God of compassion and grace and mercy. It was the, the God that I made in my head. It was, and it was based on the way I was treated as a son. And so one of the things we need to remember is like we belong to him. And, and I love like when we talk about being able to come to him. And he talks about it. He says, likewise with us, many of our jams and impasses are our, of our own making. Let's just be honest with it. And there's that wonderful saying, sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. And we want to blame God for it. Uh, I, I'm sorry. At some point, if you were God's, the staff was there to try to lead you. The shepherd was there to try to guide you. You can't blame your, your sin on God. And you can't blame it on other people. Your sin is your fault. Is your fault. And we need to remember that as we think about uh, the staff and, and as it comforts me and guides me, it's the rod, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. And when the wool, he talks about it, when the sheep get stuck because they're trying to eat in a place they're not supposed to eat, and they get stuck in the thorn brushes and the, and the rose bushes and he has to go in there with the rod to try to get them out. Whose fault is it? It's the sheep's. The sheep wasn't, wasn't listening to the shepherd. The sheep wasn't following the guidance of the, the rod. Just the main thing you get out of chapter 8 is the word of God. The rod is an extension of the right hand of the shepherd. Chapter 9 deals with you prepare a table before me. And I love what he talks about the table. And the table actually deals with the, they would refer to uh, the tables as the mountain, the high country mountains, right? And so that's where the shepherds wanted to take the, the sheep. And they would call them mesas, which is the Spanish word for tables, right? And so uh, David would want to take the sheep to the high country, to the table, and, and just before the sheep would arrive, he would make sure everything was prepared beforehand. So, understand that, that as you go through the valley, and you're trying to make it to the table, God has already gone before you. God knows where everything's at in the valley. You're not surprising him when you go a different direction, or you mess up and you're, he has to get you out of the thorn bush. You're not surprising God. God knows. He, he goes before you. He's, uh, before the sheep ever arrive, he's taken, uh, I, I love what Philip Keller said. He goes, we would have to take supplies. We would have to take salt and minerals and distribute them throughout the range before we ever brought the sheep through. And we don't think about that. When we're, when we're going through something, we, we quickly want to look at it and go, well, wait a minute. Why is this happening to me? The shepherd's already there with you. He's already gone before you. In Mark chapter 1 verse 12, because Jesus could have said the same thing, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. You think about that, it's, it, at the end of the day, it's like Jesus just gets baptized. 
This is my beloved son. Right? And then off to the wilderness he goes to be tempted by Satan. Now, if that happened to his son, why do we think we're so special that we're not going to go through anything? Right? The shepherd knows everything. He knows the enemy already. That's why I say, I'm like, I'll, I'll prepare a table before him. I know him. He has no victory here. There's no victory here. And, and he checks. And, and one of the things that, that Philip Keller talked about is the different, the different flowers and the different types of flowers that would come up between the blue and the, uh, the white camas. And, and he was like, if they would eat the white camas, the, the sheep would get sick and die. It was a poisonous plant. So the shepherd would have to simply go through and pick each of those plants up out of the ground before the sheep would come through. Think about that just for a second. Just think about your backyard. Right? How many of us have the animals now? Let's say there's something in the, in the backyard and there's, it only comes during springtime. And there's white flowers everywhere. And they can kill the dog or the cat or the goats or the lambs or the cows. Are you not going to go out there and pick them up? You're just going to let them go out there and eat? Because they don't know any difference. They're just thinking, hey, it's food. Right? I saw that today. As I was picking Teresa up from school, the cow had his head completely out of the fence. And just eating, uh, I don't know what he was eating. I was like, that looks almost like a cactus, bro. And I'm driving by, and he don't even, like, he don't even look up to go, hey, there's a car. He's, he's just eating. That's how we are as sheep, right? We're just going at it. And, and to think that the shepherd will go out of his way to make sure, like, he's to the point of, like, he's to the very poisonous weeds. They got to come out. Before I bring those sheep in, they got to come out. He already knows what plants are coming in in the spring and what plants are coming in in the summer and what plants are coming in in the fall. He already knows. He already knows what's in the valley as you go down. And while you're in the valley, what you're going to eat and as you come back out the valley to the table. He has to make sure of all of that. But that's our good shepherd. I think one of the things we see is that he doesn't prevent you from being tempted. You're going to be tempted. Satan's going to come after you. And we know that from Peter. He talks about Peter when, when Satan desired to tempt Peter. Let's look at that verse in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. And it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times that you know me. Now, you read in that verse very simply, he says that, that but I prayed for you. Did he say, I, Satan can't, you can't have Peter? No, he goes, I'll pray for you, Peter, because you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. And then he tells him, like, hey, you're going to be tempted. And then what does Peter do pridefully? Man, I'll go to prison and I'll, I'll, I'll die for you, Jesus. Not even hours later, he's denying him. Yeah, three times, as Kirk said. But Jesus didn't say to Satan, you can't have Peter. 
I'm going to let you slip, sift him like wheat. But did you get the other part of that? He says, That your faith shall not fail, and when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Hey, Peter, talk to your brothers about what happened so they don't make the same mistake that you made. Again, we're not, we're not trying to, hey, let me tell you about all my sin. No. I think it's something that Kirk was talking about today. Somebody who, who, who actually spends time ministering to people who are addicted to medications and, and, and drugs. And that was what they were known for in their life. To help others. And to help others. To learn, you know, learn from your, your mistakes. Don't do them again. Strengthen your brothers. Like for me, as a father... I'm going to teach my children. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is the path that it leads. Don't be like that. As a husband, don't act like that. Don't be like, that. man, I've been there. Don't do that. Strengthen your brethren. You know, t- talk to your brother and say, hey, look, man, I love you. I've been in that situation. You're going to fall into temptation if you're not careful. We have our good shepherd. He goes before us in in every situation anticipating what danger we may encounter. And he's praying for us. He's interceding for you. He's not stopping it, but he's interceding for you. And shepherd is keeping an eye on the predators that run around in the summertime and the wolves and the coyotes and the cougars and the bears. And the shepherd doesn't rest. He's always keeping an eye on the enemy. Because he, one of the things he talks about is the, the cougars. He talks about how, how quiet the cougars are and they, like that, take a sheep. And there's no, you don't even see them. You don't hear them. There's no tracks to track down. They know a, a path to, and a way to get to the sheep. And, and for us, it's a reminder that the Savior is telling us that we need to be very careful of Satan as well. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, Be sober, because when you're, when you're drunk in the flesh, you're not sober. And what I mean by that is when you're allowing the flesh to rule you, you're drunk in the world. You're taking everything the world is, and you're not sober to catch the attacks. To be sober is to be mindful, to have a mind of God, to have the Word of God stored on your heart. To stop the temptation here before it gets here. But when you're not sober, it goes straight to the heart. And it's easier for you to fall into sin. Be sober, be vigilant. Be awake. Be awake. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. It's like, look, everybody's going through this. Satan's trying to get everybody. Him and his demonic forces are trying to get everybody. And I'm going to tell you what, doing a pretty good job of it. You're not sober. You're not being vigilant. As Christians, we're falling into things that we shouldn't fall into. I see more Christians accepting and... and um, accepting things that go against God's word and I think that's a big problem because 
if God's word states, there's no, there's no go around. And for some reason, Generation Z and, and the, this younger generation believe that the word of God had it wrong from the get-go. Gender is up to the person. Or whatever it is that they're going to, to go after. I heard somebody talking about, well, you can't tell. One of the things that the churches are doing now is uh, with the, if they're married and they're gay, you can't tell them to divorce because God hates divorce. Can I, can I, can I break, break the news to you? God doesn't recognize your marriage. And I know people don't like to hear that. But the church is accepting this stuff. And so we're not being sober, we're not being vigilant, and we're falling into these things, and Satan's just devouring people. And so we need to be very careful what we allow in our lives, because the next thing you know, you're going to be torn up and marred. And he would say, he goes, when, they would, when, the, when the cougars would come in, he goes, you would never know they were there, and all you would have is just blood and livers eaten, gone. There wouldn't be nothing else left. So we need to be mindful. We need to be watchful. And, and to understand, like, it's, it, we cannot allow ourselves to be uh, stricken uh, and not be willing to call out for help if we need help. I think this is the biggest, biggest misconception we have as, as believers. It's like to understand that the shepherds prepared the table before the enemy. He's like, if there's something going on, before you sit down, let's deal with it. Like, let's, let's deal with it. And, and so we can't just carry these things and think, again, if we're asking God to search our heart, you ain't hiding anything. You're not hiding anything. I think I was listening to uh, Robert Jeffries on a, when I picked up my wife and 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 he was talking about how the saddest thing to see is to see 70 to 80 years old that are broken spiritually broken they've never chosen to follow Christ are they they the God that they made up in their head is not the God of the Bible and they're spiritually broken and they're very close to visiting God and they haven't figured it out yet and so for us as as believers what I don't want to see for anybody in this church is to be 60 70 whatever and you still are living like the world. But you got your wool out to here hiding everything. You act like nobody knows. And that's why I was trying to tell y'all. It's very important for us to be real when we come into these doors. Is that we want to be Christians that, that are actually walking with God. That are actually growing and maturing with God. I, I, man, I don't. I would rather you be straight up with me and say, look, I'm struggling with this thing. Let's pray about it. Let's try to see what we can do to deal with it. Because what's more important is your salvation. What's more important is eternity. What's more important is you finishing well. It's finishing well. Your time here on earth is not promised. We just, you know, as we look at Tony's life, it's, it's again, like the valley. It's a vapor. Just as that's a prime example of James where it talks about your life is nothing but a vapor. That's the valley. As soon as that sun comes up, the dew is gone. The fog is gone. Your life is done. You're not promised tomorrow. I would rather go, hey, <laughs> you know what, man? God is, this is awesome. 
God is prepared. Like I got the enemy surrounding me and God is going to eat. I prepared a table before the enemy. They can't touch you. Not unless you let them. You let them in and they'll get you. But he's the shepherd. We need to remember that, that from the mountaintop experience, the table, table land trip, simply because we are in the care and control of Christ who has been over all this authority before us and prepared the table for us in plain view of our enemies who would demoralize and destroy us if they could. Like he's done this in front of them. I laugh at this because I just think of God going here you know, as he's walking around putting the, the tablecloth out and just laughing. There's the enemy. Like they can do anything. Like they have any control. And let me put the forks out and the knives out. Oh, let me get the good china. I'm going to prepare a feast for you in front of the enemy. That's how much I love my sheep. But again, if you stay within these guardrails that I put where the rod is, like don't go past this and don't go past this, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's, it's a reminder too that his son, and, and we forget this, that even his son um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, and in the, in the turmoil that he went through, uh, it's just a reminder that, that the Savior went through the Garden of Gethsemane and that, as pointed out, it's, you don't have mountaintops without valleys. Like if he allowed his son to go through that. See, sometimes we think, God, why would you? I'm your, I'm your sheep. Like I'm the one with the good wool. Like remember you inspected me just the other day and I was good to go. Why am I having to go through this? He's trying to grow you. He's trying to mature you. He's trying to, to, to create an intimacy that, you know, when we think about communion, that only comes from communion. When we draw near to Him, that's what He's wanting for us. And for whatever reason, we think, man, I'm not supposed to go through none of that stuff. This was supposed to be like, as long y'all think it's like Wizard of Oz. If I stay on the yellow brick road, I'm good. That's not how it works. Right? It's, it, Christians will go through ups and downs just like everybody else. It rains on the just and the unjust. Well, I'm your sheep. Why would you put me through this? It rains on the just and the unjust. I'm going to grow you through this. I mean, Jesus laid down his life, poured out his blood as a, as a symbol of total selflessness. And that was the love. This was God. And this was divinity in action, delivering man from their own utter, and this is Philip Keller. They were, Jesus delivering men from their own utter selfish, therefore own stupidity, their own suicidal instincts as lost sheep, unable to help themselves. He sent the Savior, His Son. He sent the perfect, sinless being, servant, lowly, humble Son. To die on the cross. Obedient. To go to the cross. Not my will, Father, but your will be done. If we're his sheep, that should be our same response. If he prepares a table before uh, uh, the enemy, that doesn't mean the enemy's not going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at you while you're eating. God loves you. And, and God God is, at, at the end of the day, is, is uh, he wants our... Uh, intimacy with him he wants us to be in his presence he wants us to to have companionship with him 
And I love what Philip Keller wrote here. He says, to live thus is to live richly. To walk here is to walk with quiet, quiet assurance. To feed here is to be uh, replete uh, with good things. And to find the table land is to, is to have found something of my shepherd's love for me. The fact that he actually prepares a table before you. For you. That's how much he loves you. So that's where we're going to finish. Now next week we're going to close out the book. And um, so remember the rod. The rod is an extension of the word of God. It is there to protect you, to guide you, right? To prevent the enemy from coming after you at times. And every now and then when you hear something go whistling by, that may be the rod from the shepherd because he's going at the enemy. Not today, Satan, right? That, you don't say that. That's what, okay? I think, oh my Lord, I, that's a whole nother discussion. People thinking they're going to go up against Satan. They've lost their minds. You struggle with the own things that you deal with that has nothing to do with Satan or the demonic forces. It's just you and the person in the mirror. There's a big enough struggle there. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 